Hi, I'm Kevin Alvis with Big Talk Podcasts. I believe that everyone needs to treat themselves for a job well done. Whether it's surviving a workday jam-packed with mind-numbing meetings or that five-mile bike ride down the lake with your friends, nothing says, I fucking crushed this like a delicious cold beer. And there's no finer place to treat yourself than Chicago's northernmost taproom, Howard Street Brewing. Just steps from the Howard Street Red Line, Howard Street Brewing offers a cozy 37-seat taproom that's perfect for catching up with old friends or making some new ones. And don't let their one-barrel system fool you. It's perfectly pumping out a rotating menu of amazing beers like Roger's Proud Pale Ale, the Better Late Than Never Pilsner, and the This Is What Happens Larry Belgian Saison. Not sure what to try? Get a flight. Try them all. Like that beer and want some for the after party? Grab a few growlers for the road. You want some sweet merch with your beers? They've got hats and t-shirts ready for you too. So if you're in Chicago or planning a trip to Chicago, be sure to check out Howard Street Brewing. Open Tuesday through Sunday. No cash, cards only. Oh, and did I mention that there's entertainment every Tuesday night and trivia every Wednesday night? Oh, 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 and did I mention that you can have food from all the local spots delivered right to your table? Oh, 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 and did I mention that they're pet friendly? This place is the shit. So check out Howard Street Brewing, located at 1617 West Howard Street in Chicago and at howardstreetbrewing.com. Be sure to tell them Big Talk sent ya. Welcome to Based on a True Story, where Chicago's best writers and storytellers take their true personal stories and adapt them into wild tales of fiction. Recorded live the fourth Tuesday of every month at Howard Street Brewing, located at 1617 West Howard Street in Chicago. Our first story comes from Chicago actor and writer E.M. Davis. So, have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and sat up in bed and you look down at your hands and cupped inside them is a pool of vomit and you think, well, how the hell did that get there? Buckle up, kids, because I'm going to tell you a little story about my New Year's Eve. I will set the scene. My spouse and I have just returned from a nine-day, nonstop holiday trip extravaganza, taking planes, trains, and automobiles to visit both sides of our family with very little room for breathing. So when we finally step into our Chicago apartment for the first time in nearly two weeks, we look at each other and we have the same idea. Let's go out for New Year's Eve. Just the two of us. No gatherings, no clubs, just some, you know, low-key, one-on-one dinner to ring in 2023 together. Now, I should take a moment to note that I have this terrible habit of treating every meal like it will be my last, as if I am on death row or something. Ask my friends who have taken me to a restaurant that I was not expecting to visit, and they will vouch that a look of fear and anxiety falls upon my face when I open the menu as if I have been asked to take the SAT at the last possible second. My husband Spencer knows this. He also knows I am sentimental as fuck and makes a suggestion he knows I will be comfortable with. What about Topo Chicho in Old Town? He asks. Ding, 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 goes my sentimentality meter. This is where we had our first anniversary. We were young, broke artists who ate like kings and spent two hours playing the question game like cheesy little fucks. This, this is the place where we will have our final meal of the year. We arrive and get seated immediately, and in the exact same corner where we celebrated the last time, holy shit, it is fate, and my sentimentality meter is like bursting out of my chest at this point. 
We split a bottle of wine, order appetizers, get two fantastic main course dishes with delicious cream-based sauces, and we spend the next hour reminiscing over the last year and talking about the future. It was perfection. And because it was perfection, I suggest that we don't end the night just yet. Let's get a nightcap at the bar, literally 1.5 steps away from our current high top. Spencer is game, so we finish out the bill at our table and mosey on over to the two corner seats at the bar that gives us a full view of the entire restaurant. I'd say at this point it's around 10 p.m., but from the looks of the place, every single personal injury lawyer has driven down from Evanston with their mistresses to drink way too much liquor. It all makes for a really awesome people watching, and we are looking at them like, <laughs> you fools. Who on earth would get sloshed this early on New Year's Eve? The night is young. <laughs> we decide to order fancy, two old fashions, and from the very first sip, we can tell these are very well made, <laughs> if you catch my drift. Like you could light a fire with it. Spencer's really feeling himself and suggests we get desserts. He even puts me in charge of the order, and before taking off to the bathroom, he asks if I'm up for splitting just one more drink. I mean, of course. The bartender comes by, puts in our two desserts, and we ask if we want another round. I say, yeah, you know, just one more, please. He brings the two desserts, brings two more drinks, and I realize, oh, God, he thought I meant one more round. And then Spencer comes back, and he sees my bounty, and he's like, uh, I just thought we were getting, and I was like, I know, I know, my bad. And because I get nervous thinking about food, I refuse to let anything go to waste. We enjoy every last bite of our desserts. I gulp down my old-fashioned like a champ. And when Spencer stops halfway through his drink because he is a level-headed adult, <laughs> I down the rest of his too. <laughs> By this time, it's about 11.15 at night, and when we call the Uber, it is less than $11, y'all, on New Year's Eve. We cannot believe it, and even better, when we get in and start talking with the driver, he informs us that his last passengers left their bag from Binnie's in the car. Would we like nearly a full bottle of Tito's, two LaCroix, and a warm, half-empty bottle of orange juice? Fuck yes, we do, I say. <laughs> I am convinced at this point God herself wants us to have this free, slightly opened alcohol. We are on top of the world, and we are never going to die. <laughs> We arrive back home with our leftovers and new Binnie's Hall and enter our apartment content from a lovely evening out. I have always made it a point to stay up until midnight on New Year's Eve. But you know what? Not tonight. I don't need to do the whole ball drop and countdown and, oh, wow, it's a new year, new me thing. I'm just going to go to bed like a responsible adult. I head into the bedroom, plop down on the bed, and get ready for happy, sleepy dreamland. So now... Here we are, back at the beginning of my tale. <laughs> I have abruptly woken up from a deep sleep at 4 a.m. and have found myself sitting up in bed, my hands cupped in front of me as if I'm about to receive the body of Christ at Catholic Mass. <laughs> but instead of a wafer, it's vomit. <laughs> my first thought once again is, that's odd, where did this come from? <laughs> I get up so I can dispose of it naturally, and I've only taken about three steps before I very, very quickly realize where it has come from. It was me. And how do I determine this? Because I puke again. 
with my hands already being full, it proceeds to flow over the edges and onto the carpet like a cheese fountain. And the thought of a cheese fountain in that moment makes me vomit some more. Now, anyone at this point would realize they need to prioritize cleaning the carpet, but my brain is telling me, you know, slow down. Get rid of the vomit that you're still holding in your hands like a baby bird. So I come to the bedroom door where my spouse and I have put up a child's gate so that the cats can't get in and, you know, puke on the carpet. (laughs) Boy, 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 do I feel that irony now. Uh, I stare at this gate and I think, clear your foot, clear your foot, clear your foot. Uh, But surprise, surprise, I do not. (laughs) And the gate and I both come crashing down into our living room, abruptly waking up Spencer, who has been asleep on the couch because he's in this weird in-between spot between dreams and reality. He sees me and what I'm covered in and freaks out because he thinks I am bleeding badly internally. (laughs) This is because I left out an important detail from earlier this evening. We had red wine at dinner, and I had red sauce pasta. You're welcome for that imagery. He runs over to me incredibly concerned as I blubber out, I have no idea what's going on, I just woke up like this. (laughs) Now, I would like to pause here for a moment because I want you to know that when a loved one believes you are bleeding to death and then realizes that it's actually vomit, and when inspecting the bedroom that slips on the other pool of vomit, (laughs) their tune changes quite quickly. You are no longer the victim. You are the target of their scorn, which to his credit is wholly understandable, but it was a definite jolt of reality that I clearly needed in that moment. I stripped off my clothes and cleaned the hardware floor with my salty tears (laughs) while Spencer went to town in the carpet with the spray and wet wipes we usually reserve for pet-related accidents. (laughs) And this, beautiful people, is why I am starting 2023 with a sobriety mindset. Up until now, I have told my friends that weed gummies are still fair game, but that I was, you know, halting on the alcohol, you know, just cause. But for those friends who showed up here tonight, well, Now you know the real reason (laughs) behind this huge, let seemingly random life change. Uh, So some here may think that, you know, one bad night shouldn't make me feel as horribly embarrassed as it did. You know, there's there's plenty about that evening that I could learn from, uh, but not give up on alcohol altogether. Except the very next day, uh, I found a photo on my phone, this photo, It is of my uh, yellow tabby, Ozymandias, curled up on the couch in between Spencer's legs. It was taken at roughly 3.17 in the morning. But y'all, in order to take this photo, when I did, I would have somehow gotten up from sleeping, walked to and cleared the cat gate, had the wherewithal to bring my phone with me, take the photo, and then creep back in and fall asleep on the bed and I don't remember taking this photo. This I cannot explain. And that, ladies and gentlemen, they's and thems, is why sobriety has become my 2023 New Year's resolution. Thank you.
Our next story comes from Chicago storyteller and writer Jennifer Moniz. When I was growing up, uh, my parents had an extensive movie collection, and one of the most reliable ways to catch holy hell from them was to leave a videotape in the VCR. Because it ruins the tapes, Jen. It ruins the tapes, and it could damage the VCR, which I don't know if that last part is true. But it was part of their reasoning. One day when I was 15 years old, I came home, and my mom was waiting for me. She was upset. She was extremely upset. And she asked me if I had left a tape in the VCR in her and my father's bedroom. Now, we had the main TV in the living room, but my parents also had a TV and VCR in their room. So if one of my sisters was in the living room, I would sometimes watch stuff in my parents' room. I said, well, I don't know, what movie was it? And she wouldn't say the title. All she would say was, I already asked your father, and he swore that it isn't his because he doesn't watch movies like that anymore. Okay. Okay, see, some of you have put pieces together that 15-year-old Jen did not put together. Movies like that. No, 15-year-old Jen did not connect those dots. Um, I thought, that's a weird thing to say, but I was distracted because my mother's reaction seemed wildly out of proportion to the offense. So I said, Mom, if you won't tell me what movie it was, I can't say for sure, but I, mean, I, I guess it could have been mine. And she just stared at me stone-faced and said, you're grounded for two weeks, go to your room. And two weeks seemed excessive. But my mother was known for being a little inconsistent with her punishments, so I didn't push it. I just did my time and moved on. Now, cut to about five years later. I was in college watching a stand-up comedy special with some of my friends. And the comedian did a routine about how men get all James Bond when it comes to hiding their porn, but their wives always find it in the VCR. And I said, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Oh. My mom found a porn in the VCR. My father denied it was his. My mother then asked who would be watching porn in their bedroom if not him. My father blamed it on me and it worked. <laughs> and, and once I put all these pieces together, I was just so impressed. <laughs> I mean, the balls on that man. He threw a ridiculous Hail Mary and it connected. I was so impressed I couldn't even be mad. I just tipped my hat to him from afar. And, and I mostly forgot about it. Until a few years later. I was back visiting my folks and my mom and I went to go see a movie. I picked the movie, and as we sat in the theater waiting for it to start, she asked me what it was about. I told her I didn't know much about it, except that I heard it was a little dirty. She looked at me and said, well, I know you like those kind of movies, and she winked at me. And now, I had just assumed, if I had eventually put these pieces together, 
so had my mom. Clearly, I was wrong. So I told her what had actually happened. And she, she said, your father would never have lied to me and let me ground you for something that he did. He would never do that. And so I said, okay. Well, when we get home from the movie, we're gonna ask him. <laughs> when we got home, he was sitting on the couch watching TV. And he asked us how the movie was. And I said, it was good. Hey, Dad. You remember that time when I got grounded for leaving a porno tape in the VCR? Will you please tell your wife that it was your tape and not mine? That I only admitted to it because I was an idiot who didn't know what was going on? And my father stared at me for a long time. <laughs> and then he turned to my mom and said, Kathy, I have something to tell you. <laughs> briefly lost her mind. I was triumphant. And I was tempted to just like drop a virtual mic and walk out of the room. But I, I kind of wanted to see what my mom was going to say when she found her words again. Because this, this was a lot of new information. Um, finally, she, she stopped reeling and she took out her phone. She wrote and sent a text. And then she looked my father dead in the eye and said, in that case, I have something to tell you. I am not your wife. My father laughed and asked, what the hell is that supposed to mean? I'm not your wife. I'm her twin sister, Margaret. My father said, Jesus, Kathy, I am sorry. I apologize to both of you. But like Jenny said, it was a long time ago. We can all be adults and let it go. My mom stood firm. I can let it go. I can let it go easily because I'm not your wife. I'm, your, I'm her sister. My father was not amused by this. He and my mother started dating in high school. He knew her whole life and she had never had a sister. We don't talk about her. I mean, well, me. We don't talk about me. When we were kids, Kathy and I, we played a prank on her brothers, tricked them into thinking they had murdered me. It was, it was just a joke, but they believed it. And their parents believed it. And then they became this whole thing that they covered up and hid from the police. So we just pretended I was dead. I mean, we were trying to figure out how to tell our parents the truth, but then the gifts started rolling in. I mean, Kathy was just showered with them. It was more gifts than both of us had gotten in our lives. At school, Kathy was just given straight A's for the semester. And we started to see there could be substantial benefits to sharing Kathy's life. You know, we split up the homework. We split up our after-school jobs. It's how she was able to work full-time and have a 4.0 in college. Now, we did not intend to share your marriage. That was supposed to be all her. <laughs> but marriage is exhausting. <laughs> and kids are exhausting, so sometimes I clock in for a few weeks. Always when it's that time of the month, so you'll stay away from me. <laughs> and, and you have never noticed. I mean, it amazes me how little attention you all pay to her. You have never noticed. At this point, my mother aunt <laughs> looked at me and said, for the record, you are your mother's favorite, but you are not mine. <laughs> 
You are absolutely weird enough to have been watching porn in your parents' bedroom. That was not a leap at all. Then I heard the front door open and watched as a second version of my mother walked into the room. Well, I heard the jig is up. She looked at me. Jenny, that wasn't your porn. I'm so sorry. I really thought it was. But no, I have never thought less of you for that. Then she trained her eye on my father and said, well, I don't know what you think, but I think we're even. <laughs> if you're interested in performing, send us an email at bigtalkpodcast at gmail.com or contact us through our website at bigtalkchicago.com. And be sure to join us the fourth Tuesday of every month for a live recording at Howard Street Brewing at 1617 West Howard Street in Chicago. Blah, blah, blah. Big talk.